what um what is what uh, what podcast episode is it? Seventeen. <laughs> Driveline Richard Drinks Podcast, episode seventeen, Sunday, June seventh, eight thirty eight PM. While so my brother bad. works out clients downstairs. What's good? I'm your co-host, Alex Caravan, co-swag manager of baseball analytics, drinking a apocalypse. And, and you know, I'm not trying to be like uh metaphorical here. Nice. Just IPA that was in the fridge. Nice. nice. What do we got? Nice. Go go ahead, Lindley. Go ahead. Hi, Lindley. Orange the engineer driving on baseball. I'm drinking an incline cider company blood orange. Uh I'm in Rochester, Minnesota right now, and all of the liquor stores are closed after six on Sundays. So I was not able to get a beer that I like. I'm, uh, Wait, that stuff sounds fire, dude. You don't like that? I'm kind of. So many words in it. It's got to be good. If there's at least four words in the beer, it's got to be good. What <sighs> orange cider? I don't know. I don't know. I saw like a butterscotch stout yesterday, and I almost, almost broke my no stouts rule and got a stout just because I, I don't know. You love butterscotch, right? The coffee, the coffee stout. Yeah, big you, kind of honestly, fun. you kind of look like butterscotch right now, dude. <laughs> that yellow shirt and then like the very pale background. Ooh, used yeah. to, I'm used to like your your dark lit. Yeah, you got the, you got that butterscotch filter on right now. Yeah, Kevin, I heard you say that your brother is working people out. He's like uh, doing a like a training. Like he's tra- training people for a business. 50, 50 bucks an hour. Wow, dude, that's definitely against the Washington COVID <laughs> rules for sure. You cannot. Wait, is that actually? Cannot uh, find out about that. I, I think he's going to charge one of them 50 bucks, but the guy who he's going to charge is the one that told him about the unemployment, like the unemployment thing he got going on and he got fork out of that. So I think he just decided to give, give him the first week for free. And then the homie brought two homies. Oh, wow. Okay. Very, Are we growing out here? Very cool. Uh, <laughs> wow. I am Anthony Brady and uh, I'm drinking the church music IPA. The juicy IPA. Uh, I'm the primary host of the R&D podcast, the Driveline Research and Drinks podcast. Primary host of the Butterscotch podcast. It's been determined in past episodes. So yeah, episode 17. Uh, been two weeks since our last episode. We're into June. That's pretty crazy. <laughs> so I'm going to say something a little bit more poignant after that. I know. I mean, I honestly just June. like that was actually the first time I thought about that. That it's actually June. My birthday's in three yo, weeks. Yo, you know stage one point five over here. I dude, I don't even know what what stages are anymore. Uh, dude, Ma- Ma- Max and I went went and got a beer at a uh, Pegasus. What? Yeah, stage one point five. Oh man, that makes me want to be back in Seattle so bad. Dude, we uh, it's it's like fifty percent open capacity, or sorry, fifty percent uh capacity outside, like thirty percent inside. Or twenty five or something. Yeah, I mean everything's um, everything's open here, but I just like I don't have a car yeah. and we don't go anywhere. We're pretty busy. I've been just crushing. Uber when are you gonna pull the trigger on a car? It's, uh, I don't know. I'm every time I like look at one, and I think uh, I've got something lined up. I just keep thinking that like, oh, I'll just hold out a little longer because I like like see an article about how the car market's gonna be like really really good here soon. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Just like trying way too hard to find the super fire deal, and then I'm also like, do I really need a car right now? Like, most we're split, like baby. Me, you, and Belly. Belly's car. That'd be that'd be wild. That'd be 
Not down. Not not down though. Just kidding. I'm not not down at all. Oh boy. Okay. Uh, episode seventeen. Um, we're into June. I'm in Arizona. Lindley's in Minnesota. Caravan's in Seattle. Um, what do we got? I mean, been a interesting last couple of weeks, uh, to say the least. Um, yeah, I've just been so locked in with Arizona stuff. We finished up the first week of Arizona training today. Um, it was super cool on Monday and just kind of like this last week to be working with athletes again. I will say that that was, that was awesome. That felt like really cool to have just a bunch of athletes, uh, training, doing mocaps again. It was like, how, how many mocaps have you logged? Uh, we did 20 that day. We did one on Sunday, 19 on Monday. So basically like a full schedule. Um, it was weird. How's the data quality? Super good. Like marker placement, everything. You good? I mean, I placed most of them. Medic helped out with them. Um, it was all right. We, we had like a couple fall off here and there. It was like really weird though, because we were wearing uh, gloves and masks the whole time. You know, like I've never done a yeah. cap like that. It was kind of a uh, weird, uh, I don't know, just like dealing with the sticky gloves and stuff. I was just like ripping through gloves all the time. I felt like I was like a, like a nurse or like a doctor or something, you know, just like putting just about to ask how the, every 10 minutes. It, it how the cool. sanitation, the sanitation stuff was uh, going. Is it, does it make it way harder to like complete all of them like on a timely manner? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah. It, uh, it, it adds a wrinkle to everything. I mean, we, we were moving pretty quickly, but honestly the biggest thing is the heat. Like we kept the AC on and everything, but athletes would like go outside and play catch and then come back in. And it was last week. It was 110, like the whole time, you know? So athletes were just getting super hot and those hydrogel pads, dude, when they're warm, those things do not play nicely. Also the other wrinkle and oh, so annoying it's one of those uh, mounds where it's a turf mound, but then it's got two clay boxes on the like stride area, you know, and the like plant area and the, the stride foot area. So the marker, if the markers fall off and they get in the clay, you know how they're just like screwed those hydrogel pads. So lost, lost quite a bit of, bit of markers like that. But, um, Sheffy was doing most of the cleaning. He said they were taking like five to 10 a guy. Um, solid. so I think the, Capture quality was good. Um, got a bunch of paired pitch AI videos with the with the mocap files. So, how quickly are you turning around uh, like the biomic reports? And then, like, are you meeting with athletes still pretty quickly? Yeah, after had, and like going through with everything. I want to say we had all of the reports into track by Tuesday night. The latest. Uh, uh, so is Sunday is Sunday the only assessment day that you guys are doing? So we're doing uh, motion capture assessment days every other Sunday. So the next one will be Sunday the 14th. And we already have, I believe, 18 slated for that day. Uh, probably going to boost the cap up to go to the 25. We're just trying to like batch process it because it's kind of a pain. We have to uh, shrink the cage up move the mound, set up all the cameras, turn them down, that kind of a thing. And it's just like not that practical to do it every Sunday. And then what we're going to do is like trailing week assessments and leading week assessments. So like you can do your, you know, pre mocap assessment week up to that and then do the mocap on Sunday. 
Or you can also do like mocap first thing as you show up that Sunday and then do the assessment the rest of the week kind of a thing. So it's kind of like we're, we're catching both uh, on both sides there with the mocaps. But I mean, we're, we're full for the first two mocaps. So the next one after that will be uh, June 28th, I think. It'll be the next day we get the mocap lab up. Um, and so far right now, all the meetings are happening over Zoom. It just like kind of works out uh, best that way. Like... Oh, but like you're doing them like, so you're doing Tuesday night or like Wednesday morning? Uh, well, Medic and Langen are running all of them. So they just scheduled them all out like Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. I think they might have had some on Saturday. And then and then Gordo's doing uh, some swing designs and hitting assessment stuff on Saturdays and Sundays. Uh, they just finished up a bunch today. And now we'll get more into like monthly training stuff, you know? So I was like saying... Uh, I think we're going to have like in the next two days, you know, we, we have over 50 different athletes rolling through the, through the facility, which is pretty crazy because we're still operating in like groups of five or smaller for all of them. Yeah. And there's like specific, like every we're, we're running it on a schedule where it's like hour long slot. And then the gym is completely closed down for 10 minutes. Everyone's out and we clean and wipe everything down. And then it opens back up again. People come in. So honestly, the biggest pain has been like figuring out and getting that intake process dialed. Um, everyone, like no one's allowed to come in without getting their temperature checked. Everyone has like a daily COVID symptom questionnaire, uh, all that. So we're definitely operating with like an abundance of caution. And so far things have how, how's intent? How's intent and mocap? What's the highest velo that you guys have uh, seen so far? Um, that's a good question, actually. Let me check. Uh, I want to say we had a couple nineties. We had a couple ninety pluses. Uh, we've had a handful of pro guys. Think best bullet we've seen in mocap so far. I think is ninety one point eight. It looks like. Um, let me just do a quick little average. Yo, yo, best bullet that wasn't you, bro. I know that was, I know that was you. Average, <laughs> average mocap uh, velocity, which honestly is pretty good given the population. It was eighty four point one. Um, that's including the throws that, like we didn't keep and get cleaned, and that's it. Looks like one, two. We had three pro guys, three high school guys, and then the rest are college. So, average mocap velo eighty four point one. Feel like pretty good for that many. Yeah. Uh, how's the how's the environment like uh intensity and everything as far like uh like music and just guys going all out is the heat okay rachel is the heat having uh, yeah that's what i was asking is the is the heat having an effect on like i think guys i think they not want to throw very hard because uh the markers keep falling off or no no i mean really we didn't have that many there were um Two guys, actually, Lindley, you can check out the athlete info sheet and see which ones were kept and which ones weren't. Because it really wasn't too bad. We were able to keep it, like, pretty cool. Um, there were two guys that were bad. were just, like, really sweaty and markers were going over. But even those guys, those were also, like, the hardest-throwing guys. You know, they were, like, mid to upper 80s, and I think that's probably why they were falling off. Um, but we were being like super careful with cleaning everything. Like everyone got like alcohol wiped down. The pads were kept, you know, uh, pretty clean. And like, we were the only ones that touched them. So as far as like getting the markers on and keeping them on, um, we, we did a pretty good job there. It's not like they were flying off. And 
the place is super cool. It's got like big uh, speaker music system. So we had that like going, you know, everyone had their, uh, their walk up music uh, and all that. So the, the environment's pretty sweet. And I think the players like it a lot. Like the feedback is like everyone likes the area. I saw the, I saw the hitting guys are doing like athlete education every day mm-hmm. or like, I don't know the frequency, but that's kind of sick. Yeah. Is the pitching side yeah. doing that too? Like mini trainer talks is what yeah. they're, they're calling them or something. Yeah. We were doing a couple things like that. There's like a, in your first session, there's like a little brief orientation that you have to go through just cause there's like so many guidelines and things that we have to follow, you know, like yeah, do we have to sign off on all that. Yeah. I mean the, the, I think the, Honestly, the biggest bottleneck that we had the first day when we were doing all the uh, mocaps was all the waivers that need to be signed, you know? And and we have to, like, it's not just where you just, like, give them the waiver and they, like, glance at it and sign it. It's like we need to, like, you know, it, it, it's kind of like the like the flight attendant when you're sitting in the exit row, you know? It's like they need your attention and, like, a verbal confirmation. Like, do you understand this? Because we're trying to just, like, you know, you have to show up. It's like, okay, you're not you're not allowed in. You have to go around this way. Uh, we have to do a temperature check. Like if you haven't filled out the symptom questionnaire, like you can't train that day. Um, cause not only are you like, cause all it takes is like one, if one person gets sick and gets one of us sick and then, you know, the whole thing is kind of in jeopardy. Of a thing, and, so. and that's a good metaphor. Cause I know, I know you give flight attendants a lot of attention, Brady. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you need the, the verbal confirmation, make sure you're paying attention there. Um, all of that so the environment's pretty sweet uh yeah it's good it's good it's, it's hot i don't i don't like the heat though i'm pretty hot yeah that's it. why that's why you were the one that brought up it's june because you're in arizona it's very clear that it's june it it's, that's why you're looking like butterscotch bro you melting yeah yeah <laughs> yeah caravan caravan uh forget like today caravan asked me if i'm like able to go on like walks or like bike rides uh yeah around and i was like what dude I get within three feet of the door and I can just, I can like feel the like oven air on me. Your your room looks pretty dope in the Airbnb though. Like uh, the, they got like Mar- like Avengers stuff set up yeah. in, on, on the wall or what? Yeah. 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 And, and that's, that's kind of a fire. That's kind of a fire blanket, dude. That looks like, <laughs> looks like something I would love when I was like nine. Got I'd some, be like, let's got go. Some, got some dinosaur print. Uh, this yeah. is like the, I think this was like for sure going to be the kid's room of the Airbnb or whatever. It, it, there was two twin beds in here. It wasn't a bunk bed set up, which I'm pretty upset about, but it was either the dinosaur sheets or like the other one was like a blue digi camo sheet set up. Oh, so, that's yeah. tight. I might, yeah, have to, might have to switch to that one, but yeah, you got the superhero posters in the back. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, pretty fire, pretty fire room. But, Does everyone have their own room? Yeah, everyone. Has, yeah, so we just moved to this place. Um, everyone's got our own room. We're about 10, 15 minutes from the facility, so pretty nice. You're in Chandler now, or are you guys staying in Tempe? We're in Tempe now. Yeah, we, let's go. We, we were up in Scottsdale. Now we're in Tempe for like 10, 12 minutes. Uh, from the facility and so we'll be here be here for a while so pretty yo, pretty solid setup yo yo you know what you got on uh last week I'll, I'll i'll clean it up since i'll i'll talk about my two uh clickbaity topics <laughs> um i've been working a little bit more on studies um getting trying to get the weighted ball study as close to publication as we can um because uh, that's the one I want to push out the the first. So just getting 
uh, which is also involving some uh, more like further uh, analysis into the full signal data. I'm doing some SPM stuff with that. And then you're not going to include a full, the SPM stuff in the, the study. Okay. Yeah. No, I'm just trying to like get yeah. all of the material all like together and uh, all the analyses done. So it's just easier for everybody involved to get it uh, like wrapped up for submission. Yeah. I, I mean, then, yeah, let, let's, let's get into it. What, what do you got in SPM? And do you want to uh, talk random fuel theory? No, no, God, no. I just like, uh, when I first, like learned about SPM. I saw that and I was like, okay, yeah, uh, sounds good. I don't know anything about that. I'm just going to accept that as uh, what it is and move on. Cause it's just like, I, I don't know if uh, it's, that's like. Uh, I, I don't really know either. That, that's why I was like linking so much stuff like for my own benefit. I'm like, this is going to be good when I like <laughs> have to go back and explain stuff. I was like, yeah. check out this study. <laughs> this explained yeah. here. Yeah. It'll be good for uh if we end up publishing a like academic article with SPM or even a preprint, yeah. uh, it'll be good to have like discuss that a little bit. And then uh, more on SPM, I did uh, another request last week, or I guess it was the end of the week before, um, doing some full signal hip shoulder separation analysis. So between um, bucketed athletes by a measure of energy transfer. So, um, a lot of a lot of study oh, yeah. stuff uh, the last couple of weeks, and then they, they, they got some love. They got some love, like Mike falling up and stuff on everything. Yeah, yeah, Mike was super excited about it. Uh, Paul Glazier wasn't wasn't super happy with it, uh, but well, you're going <laughs> to satisfy everyone, Lindley. Yeah, satisfy yeah. everyone. It was it was uh, the coolest thing for me was that it like kind of corroborated uh, which we talked about on the podcast a few weeks ago, Wasserberger's uh, analysis that he. Energy, tweeted about the energy so, stuff yeah the yeah so that was really interesting uh-huh yeah and then um worked with uh where we wrapped up the plow study we're gonna the plow ball study which is just like the way to way to ball leather way to ball study which is just throwing full or near max intent pitches off of a mound with all of the plow ball weights and uh, investigating the kinematic and kinetic effects so we're wrapping that one up instead of continuing review because the IRB um, approval is is up in middle of this month. So we're just going to wrap it up with the 28 subjects we have instead of going for 30. So uh, getting that data together. So pretty pretty uh, research heavy last couple of weeks. Just doing a lot of R. Yeah, buddy. Doing a whole lot of R. Karen, what have you been doing? Just chilling, dude. Just running around trying to uh, trying to take advantage of stage one point five. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I mean, one of the things, one what's of the things. The, uh, what's the weather like in Seattle right now? I honestly don't even, fire. God damn it! Never mind. It's been. Don't it rained a little bit last week. It was. It was. Dude, it, it, it was I mean, it's, it's, first off, it's like a very uninteresting topic for at least ninety percent of our listeners. Yeah, but, I just, uh, I just had. To we, know. we had, we had, we had really lucky weather yesterday. I was trying to play uh, Max in tennis, and it's supposed to rain the whole day. Showed about two. It rained for five minutes and then didn't rain the rest of the day. It was have thunder, dude. We played for like two and a half hours. Damn. I lost, dude. Max is a natural at tennis. I think it's really? his ping pong backhand, dude. Uh, he's good, dude. He's good. I, I yeah. thought I would just like break him. I thought I'd break him just like like uh but just like cardio and like yeah. joint joint. But but he, I mean he's long as fuck. Yeah. I'm actually not good at tennis. Yeah. Um. 
and he's got like that ping pong backhand. I still don't have a single. I don't have a decent backhand at all yeah. in ping pong or tennis. Um, so yeah, so, so he, yeah, I beat him. I beat him the first time, and he just like warmed up a little bit and beat me. He's good. Kevin, I've been uh, Anthony. I know you guys. You guys played last summer too. I got spike ball, and I'm big in. Been playing that a lot. So oh, we nice. got to hit that oh, up. Let's go. Man. Yeah, yeah. Wait, Brady, do you have an idea when you'd be rolling back? I am not entirely sure. Could be a week and a half. Could be two and a half months. So we'll see. And that's how we that's how we do it. Authentic on the R and D podcast. Yep. <laughs> that's just blunt honesty right there. Um, I'll, I'll talk about I'll unveil NCAA war, which by the way should be the title of the video. Hundred percent. Make it yep. all caps. Say caravan unveils NCAA war. I'm actually gonna um, call it the war on NCAA. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Caravan doesn't unveil it. He declares NCAA war. Yeah. yeah. Um, but oh, one thing I was gonna—I mean, I'm just gonna bring up that you didn't mention. I did it last week. Um, any feedback, thoughts, public disclaimers on how our double date went? Oh, yeah. Uh, it was fun. It was cold. Uh, I thought we were gonna get kicked off, kicked off the beach. Um, before we got there, I was kind of worried about that, but it wasn't too big of a deal. And uh, some fire food. Oh. Caravan, have you ever heard of uh, Unstable Unicorns, Anthony? The board game? Unstable Unicorns? Or Exploding Unicorns? Kittens? I, have you heard of Exploding Kittens? I feel like you're making Good. things up right now. No. Uh, I th- Exploding Kittens, I think, is pretty pretty common. But we uh, Unstable Unicorns is made by the... I think my... It's a similar game. Is it like the uh, Cards Against Humanity people? Uh, I don't... Dude, uh, I don't know what it is, but, but Lindley and his girlfriend cheat during it dude they, 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 no, no, <laughs> they no, took no. me the bank that you guys were cheating what? the whole time no, bro caravan literally didn't care about anything about the game except for how cute the unicorns were oh, on the cart no. the, they're like, so cute dude the baby like, unicorns. Want, he would literally wow. take take my cards from me and give me his because he wanted mine because it was cuter wow and i'm it, sure my, i've seen i played uh i played board games with belly before and i i can just tell that that probably, she she that didn't take that competitively. Oh, she didn't take that competitively because I think she didn't fully. We, we're never fully on board on the rules, but dude, I, and I know she can hear in the background. But I know Marissa cheated in a unicorn game. There's no <laughs> way she got seven cards that quickly. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, fun game. It, I went good though. Good double day. Okay, so the, so we got the war on the NCAA and the war on uh, unicorns and kittens. Game. Yeah, so um Oh my god. I'm, oh dude I'm so, uh, I just apologize sorry, so, sorry so much. to interrupt. Apologize to the listeners for this podcast and where it's going. But what just hopping back and forth? Okay, no, this 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 one's serious though. I heard Carol Baskin got control of Joe Exotic's zoo. You can't say you can't say this is serious and then just go into Joe Exotic <laughs> Netflix comedy. Serious, dude. How did Carol Baskin get control of that? I don't, think, I don't even think Caravan's seen it or knows. Yeah, I, I haven't seen it. That. Um, what, what, what's it on Hulu? No, I believe it's on Netflix. I haven't, I haven't seen any of that, Lindley. So I don't know, but seems seems interesting. We'll touch on it next week, I guess. I don't, I don't know what actually what happened. I just know Carol Baskin got the zoo, and I'm pissed. I'll have to look into it. You'll have to send me some links. I am in on catering to. Um, uh, Tiger King fans, though, yeah, Th- that's that's, that's the clip. That's the clip we uh we cut out out of this podcast. Like mm. this episode, we talk about Carol Baskin, and we only have that twenty second clip, and never yes. bring it up again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just to get the clickbaits. It's good. But speaking of clickbaits, if you're down a swing the overlay, 
I've already swung the overlay twice and then swung it back when, when we went on topic, off topic. So you want me to swing it back to the next one now? Yeah, and if you're going to start a unicorn slash uh, Tiger King. Okay, in into there. the next segment, uh, NCAA, the war, the war on the NCAA. Yeah, so uh, draft is Wednesday, and Draftline, uh, we've been... Yeah, dude. Um, and actually, let's quickly fact check myself you guys, that it is. You know it's June? Crazy. Yeah, so draft is in uh, three days on uh, July 10th. Um, God damn it. And... <laughs> uh, no, so... So one of the things I've kind of talked about on the podcast, but you know, we have, we've been working quite closely with um, college baseball data, both for our D one contract and overall just, you know, trying to uh, kind of on our, on our own initiative, push college saber metrics. And a lot of it has been internal. We haven't released a bunch of it, but the plan is to release something probably Tuesday, right before the draft. And we are going to release uh, something I'm really excited about, which is pretty good and pretty good as my subjective and let's be honest, objective, because I'm a quantitative analyst, uh, qualification of, of what, what we've done, but uh, some pretty good NCAA war estimates uh, across like the last couple of years from 2017 on. And we are probably going to make a little, maybe potentially after, after the fact, but you know, we'll kind of link it to the draft, maybe get a little bit more content out there. We'll have a shorter write-up on all the nitty gritty details that go into it on Tuesday. And then we'll do like a longer blog post. Uh, a lot of it is honestly David Besky's work. Um, uh, David Besky, who's also my uh, co-partner on my Sabre paper that I presented on a couple months ago. Um, we've been, myself and Daniel Coyne have been kind of like, you know, working with them on, and for him, it's been like his main focus, like the last couple of weeks just working on finalizing NCAA war. And I mean, I don't know how intuitive that might seem to some people or not, but there's quite a few things that go into it. I'm not going to go into like too many nitty gritties, but I'll give like a quick uh, overview and then I'll see if you guys have any like specific questions, but David Besky also point man on Arizona scheduling and uh, support been huge there. Sending out emails yeah. at 1am last night. Uh, yeah, yeah, but, but yeah, that's the thing, dude. Besky's a monster because right now, letting me know, know when, I've, little... when I've messed up scheduling and logistics all the time. So he's he's hitting, hitting me up all the time about uh, when I'm double booking people. So it's been pretty clutch. Yeah, no, no, but Besky's a monster, and because uh, because he's like he's done R and D part time. Like right now, in theory, he should be doing. He, he should have like very little to no time on R and D, but he's still been cranking out like uh, progress on the NCAA stuff. And like I said, it's it's on pace. I'm looking to like release a dashboard, which uh, Melanie, uh, Melanie Bell has like uh, been working on as well. So shout out to both of them. And like Dan and I have pretty much just been like giving them feedback and letting them like run with it. Mm-hmm. So that's that, a lot of the work is going to be like on, on their end. But uh, and also, I don't know if you guys ever like really look on those college saber metrics, like research base camp posts. But, you know, all, all, what, I'll, what I'll now proceed to talk about will be like a very condensed version of that. I've talked with but, Dan about it a bit um on a couple things mainly because when dan was working on some of the stuff like uh the park factor side of things you know he he was asking me questions about the colorado stuff and the whack because the the park factors are like huge there because a lot of the schools in that conference are just like crazy elevation and weird 
uh, fence dimensions stuff. Yeah. He was looking into my old college stats and he definitely should. Based on the park but factors, it, I got a little boost, you know? So it, it, is that why you think you, you hit so many uh, hitters because of the, the outfield was a little drawn in. Oh, is, is that was yeah. out? That, that was why you're hitting so many, uh, yeah, so many batters. That's definitely why, actually. That, that, that yeah. makes sense. We actually we've, we've found a very mild correlation between that. We found a mild correlation between yeah. hit by pitch rate and. Uh, I actually I actually hit so many people because I was so scared of giving up a home run. So that's how I actually like made it through my whole college career without giving up a, up a home run because I just beaned people. So I, I believe that because when strategy. we were doing when we were doing a simulated game, uh, me and you in the cage, I, I I didn't hit a home run off you, but I did get pegged a couple times. So uh, I can definitely say from personal experience that is a tactic you go to when you fear the the opposing batter's power. Uh, but anyways, the all right, all right. <laughs> the, Kevin, Kevin, he saw you try to hit a ball off a tee, and then he just knees started shaking. This is a guarantee. Amazon try for me. <laughs> I'm pretty sure the at the end of my first year at UNC, uh, at the very end of the season, first game that I got into in the conference tournament at the end of the year, like I obviously I'd hit a lot of guys and like coaches and everything were like, okay, you know, just like get over the plate, no beans, no walks. First pitch coming into the game out of the bullpen, I beaned someone just square in the back, just like right away. But I didn't give up a home run. So I, good. Anyway, switch, switch back to overlay and then switch it back. Uh, right. Back to the war, the war on the NCAA. Now, so, so, so a quick run through, um, calculating war for position players. We followed a lot of, uh, you know, stuff already out there on fan graphs and baseball reference. We ultimately, especially for pitchers, followed fan method a little bit more closely, but like the getting the advanced stats necessary for it, like weighted runs above average was basically just a scaled version of WOBA isn't, isn't too hard, but like, once you get that, you also factor it have to factor in positional adjustments, which will be different at the NCAA level versus the major league level, you have to define the replacement value, which again is like different based on like winning percentages, the distribution of like teams and distribution of talent across teams, uh, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, for breaking it down a little bit for position players, uh, war is going to be made out of like the offensive contributions, which are much more straightforward. Yeah. Uh, the defensive contributions, which are much tougher across, oh, um, much tougher across NCAA, um, uh, environments and like I said, we we did quite a we did some regressing, we did some rescaling. All the nitty gritty details will probably be in our write up, and then also base running, which actually surprisingly we had like fairly uh you know fairly robust results. So we 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 did that uh, for pitchers. We again we followed Fangraphs Fangraphs WAR, which is based on FIP, uh, fielding fielding independent pitching, and we had to like rescale a bunch of the coefficients. Uh, you know, fan graphs for the major league level to give different ratios based on the proportion of games you relieve versus yeah. the proportion of games you like start. They have dynamic runs indexes based on like, you know, when you come to game, a bunch of like league, uh, you know, league scales and everything. And then also we had to like, at the end of the day, like fa- like fan graphs attributes 43% of total war to pitchers. So they wanted to, wanted to match that. So we also like rescaled Initially, I think we, we had our pitchers uh, have like 35% of war. So we rescaled by position and adjusted that to kind of like had those ratios comparable to like what's out there on the major league side. And essentially, um, yeah, we have war figures that we're like pretty, pretty confident in, pretty robust. 
and we have it across, like I said, all conferences, uh, 2017 on, I oh, think it came out to level, like, right? yeah, I think it came out to like 5,500 plus player seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so quite, quite a bit of data and, and we're actually going to tie it in as well. We're going to drop some references and tie it into the D1 write-up on Hunter Kerstad, oh, yeah, the yeah, uh, Arkansas Razorback uh, right fielder. Who I think we're tr- we're going to try to time that up all up like to kind of like push the, you know, push the max publicity we can get with this. Mm-hmm. So we're probably going to release both on Tuesday. Yeah. Have like a link to the dashboard. Uh, have that like once we have that live, like I said, we'll, we might tie it into like a post draft model. Give reflections on you know team draft picks. Uh, how how it how it shakes out based on like the war, the potentially the salary by war. So we can get like net present values on 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 players and kind of try to quantitatively judge like teams drafts oh, yeah. that's all like th- and, and this is all like kind of you know like extra like cherries on top because right now d1's not paying for it nobody's paying for it we we're gonna host it on our own uh still a little bit tbd my, my initial plan right now is i think i'm just gonna try to push for throwing up a, like rather than try to like you know fit our dashboard into like WordPress or, 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 or some like offspring of driveline, like the driveline main site. I think I'm just going to whip up a quick, like either like a neutral hosting location or just make a stop together, like a quick, like sites dash Google yeah. and maybe add like more analytics stuff uh, there. But well, yeah, we're gonna have the dashboard there. You're gonna be able to like play with it, like look up set, certain players, like select teams, select teams in ears. You have like, just like cutoffs. any person can just look at it. Yeah. Yeah. Just, I just, how do you how did you guys go about validating the uh results or um or like your like war evaluations like how do you go about uh like deciding whether or not they're they're going to be accurate i will uh, say yeah like before the draft like but like after the draft that can be a form of validation right i'll say that uh, on the well, on dan stuff like dan sent me uh he sent me like a list or just like an eyeball test of like called like basically like the best college pitcher seasons in the last like three or four years, you know, and it was like, yeah, how do these look? Do these look whack? And, um, yeah, no, I mean, all the guys on there I thought were like all the seasons were ones that I mentioned. And even a couple that there were a few that weren't on there that I brought up and they were just like, just outside the cutoff. Like, I think he sent me like top 30 and there were a couple like seasons and guys that like I'd remembered watching and get him back up on. And I thought it was just like, it was super cool, but, at least on the like eyeball set eyeball test from like the perspective of just like watching and paying attention to a lot of college baseball since 2017 um, passed past my eyeball. Pretty good test. Yeah. And to be honest, like, like I said, I, I've, I personally did mostly like project management on a lot of the stuff. Uh, Dan, Dan set the, uh, or Dan took the lead on the actual like, calculations and mapping over a bunch of stuff and giving kind of like advice to Besky and everything. Um, there's, there's like a bunch of factors that go into it. I don't want to like, kind of like give a, a, a too quick of a rundown, but like, for example, just like the more simple offensive side of things, you know, like on the batting run side of things, we use like year by year, Woba wage, calculate Woba. Then we applied like park factor and trying mm-hmm. try to schedule adjustment factors. Then we define like replacement level Woba as, cause the idea is like, replacement level should be like players that are kind of like right in the bench would find as a combined production output of people with like zero to 10 games played in that year. Yeah. Then we like align that and map that over to performance in like 2019. 
So we like rescaled everything. Um, yeah, and then we had like positional adjustments that were like based on like replacement level at each position that again, we like mapped by year, mapped by conference, adjusted by park, shared the schedule. Yep. Uh, base running was trained on a bunch of like MLB qualifiers as well. Like uh, even like some OG, like Bill James formulas. Mm-hmm. Fielding, like a lot of the, we, we, we went with UZR and heavily regressed it and then rescaled it to kind of map that to actual like team fielding, uh, like team fielding residuals. So like I said, like I, 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 like, I don't want to kind of like underplay how many different, like how thorough we really work. Cause I think we're extremely thorough and it can like, even I'm almost like, even like worried about like the short, like rendition of what we did that we're going to like try to push out on Tuesday. Yeah. That, that'll like kind of underplay because it's, it's like not a simple process at all. And we have, we had like a healthy database of play by play data that we scraped over the last couple of months, put it together, validated a bunch of stuff, how to toss out like, you know, people that didn't have enough innings pitched or people that didn't have enough like position, position, like, you know, innings logged, uh, all this stuff. So, so quite a bit goes into it, but like I said, I'm really excited about it. The dashboard should be really fun. And uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm just really excited to see like what people think publicly. I think you're going to get like players, college baseball players are just going to like be all over that. There's no one that's more addicted to college baseball statistics than college baseball players. Literally all we did every Sunday or Monday or Tuesday, like after the weekend's over, everyone is just like on Twitter, on all the various like league websites, just like crushing through box scores, seeing how everyone else in the like league is doing and like stats. I mean, dude, college baseball players are addicted to their statistics and everyone else's hundred percent. I told like a bunch of my old teammates that we were doing this. And like explain like yeah like we already got park factors I showed them some stuff and they were just like holy shit this is so fucking tight this is like awesome I think like especially if you're gonna make that like dashboard and stuff public to people like college baseball players are gonna be all over that and the crazy thing is I still don't know what what hand is Tommy Mace is either yeah yeah (laughs) yeah it's just cool because like I I don't know I mean I don't I don't exactly know why because. It's definitely on a level like we crushed college baseball statistics on a level that we didn't really do with like major league baseball. There's like something there with, you know, these guys are the same age, like they're the same age and stuff as me. They're just like at a different school. And I feel like there's also just like crazy weekends and statistics that go on in college baseball. Just with the dynamic of the season, because it's always like game Friday game Saturday, game Sunday, you know, and everyone's done at the same point. And then there's like a lull until your midweek and then another lull until your weekend games. Right. So with everyone on the same schedule, it's not like a constant, like, like with major league baseball stats, like it's like every single day, but college baseball, it's like a weekend kind of event. And then everyone like, and, and I can swing it so much. The season is shorter yeah. too. So like someone has, goes crazy a weekend. That's like yeah. a war. Yeah, you, you need to get yeah. like one win. You have these like micro, like, you know, these like microcosms where it's like, She's three games and this dude just goes like, you know, 13 for 15 with like four doubles and stuff. And you're like, oh my God, look at the weekend he had kind of a thing. It's like, yeah, yeah, no, thanks. It was a good weekend for me. But uh, anyways, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah. We, we, we can hit, uh, we, we can probably move on to our uh, third overlay as well. Force plate stuff. Third topic. Force plate analysis. Follow up. Did you, did you guys scope the the post size I, I hit? I did not. Yeah. I'm going in raw. Okay, dude. 
Let me know. It's a PG, uh, it's a PG podcast. Going in, I'm going in with no background information. <laughs> uh, Lindley, you checked it out though? Yeah, yeah. I have a couple questions. I don't, do you, are you gonna? Yeah, I'll, yeah. I'll do a quick run over. So I think I've talked about like force play stuff before. We kind of, it's like a burgeoning the, project. Give me the top I, of the I, page TLDR, the keynotes. Yeah, yeah. Oh, you are? No, no, I'm saying you um, give me that. What do what, what we As got? the host, give me uh, a TLDR. Yeah. Yo, did I never tell you guys that, that Mike DM me at like midnight uh, the day I released like the first, uh, put to, made like the first message saying my TLDR wasn't good and I needed to write another one? <laughs> I don't think you told me that, uh, but. He just sent me a picture and he's like, um, this is not a TLDR. It's still not clear what the main things are. So, okay. And, and then he sent, and, then he, and I was like, uh, okay. And, and then he sent, like, he wrote out a sample outline with like filler words of what it should look like. And I was like, oh no. He might, it might spend like, it <laughs> might spend at least like eight minutes telling me, uh, like, you know, formatting a sample TLDR. So now I feel so bad. Like, not only like, he was like, I really need to help this guy out. I need to like give him my exact sample outline to follow. So I was like, Okay, man, I'm right on it. I'll, I'll, I'll do a better one. Can okay. you hit me with that outline, dude? Hey, give me. You got you got me worried about my TLDRs now. Um, Lindley, yours are good. Yours are good. <laughs> TLDRs are good. But anyway, Caravan, so the, yours the are good car- too. Yours are good too. I mean, I know. I hope they're good now. They're I know, better I know now. They, they, they're better now. Uh, yeah. No, the, the first kind of run of first force split analysis was like matching uh, force split assessment data and biomec data. A lot of it was. Well, some of it was like looking at force plate metrics related to other force plate metrics, then how each of them kind of related to velo, if handiness splits, like a bunch of kind of like things that had been out there for a couple months. Um, I built a predicted velo model where I, I was predicting like what someone's pitch velo and mocap should have been based off their force plate metrics. The uh, model was okay, I think. I used, I used four to five metrics the, the first go round had about uh on my test data like when you when you like train a model you hold out some of the data you call that the test data and then Re- you like reference uh reference a couple of weeks ago our podcast we go we go deeper into that too yep what the model, model, model. yeah Th- didn't i have like a didn't i have like a five minute rant on training test or was that in uh um, like, i think it was, it was like about 20 minutes it was yeah they go longer than that dude yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. dude time flies when you're having fun i thought i thought i thought it was half a minute that was the uh, that was the infamous. I don't even remember the word you used. Sigmoid uh, function. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> cut it. Cut it. Cut. Yeah. Cut. All right, that's a wrap. Uh, yeah. So 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 I did that. I had a predicted pitch velo model, and you know met up the HP guys. Met up Dan Adams. Had a meeting breaking down some of the finer concepts of what I'd done. What the is the round, what does the pitch velo model do? Takes Predict in force play metrics and yeah, yeah. based on force play metrics, it? yeah. What'd you how say? Do you, how do you, how do you use it? How do you, you use? You it? would have like you would have like you'd go through the force plate assessment and yeah. then it would be able to like predict your velocity based on that, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so like for example, a, a very this is not the this is not the model, but a very like simplified example of that would be, say like the model was like. Pitch predicted pitch velo equals two point two times the jump height on a counter movement jump. Dude, you know, so a, someone I have a great real example. I I'm sure you guys have heard of this one before, but the early NPA uh, predicted velocity model with the national NPA NPA the Tom House thing RDRBI. 
Uh, uh, Tom House, like back in the day, uh, what he was doing down there. There was like this one time I went down there to do some training with them. I'm, I've, I've talked about this before, at least in Slack, uh, or like mentioned it, how you went down there and there were three. It was based on three metrics. You went down there and you did a max effort throw from your knees, which was supposed to be like, you know, isolate the lower half. And then it was like a max effort pull down throw, took the velocity of that and a broad jump th- length. So those, those are the three metrics. And when they put me through that, my like predicted velocity was 110. 110. And this was, this was, this was coming off of my second. Yeah. You, you, yeah. You have to talk about this. Yeah. It's just like, I remember like in the meeting with him, he's like, Hey, it wasn't Tom House. It was it was someone. It was like one of the like trainers. Somebody's like, okay, so like, I think my broad jump was like really good. It was like over ten feet, and my knee throw for some reason was good, but my uh, pull down was like bad. It was like eighty eight eight or nine or something. He's like, look, predictive velocity. Uh, you know, theirs was like on a summation model. Like it took all the parts and like summed them or something, uh, and it was like, yeah, I mean, your your uh, mound maximum capacity is is one ten. So that's that's in the tank somewhere. And I was like, I can't even hit 87 right now. What? <laughs> what is yeah. It? He's like, yeah, based uh, on your lower half, your isolated upper half, uh, 110, 110 miles per hour is in the, is in the tank. I was like, wow, yeah. what? Yeah, what? our model is definitely, my model is definitely not that bad. Uh, <laughs> the, the, high, the highest predicted uh, below right now that's checked across like everyone I rented on uh, is 98.3. And the guy threw 94.6. So it's actually not even doesn't even miss too badly. That's 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 kind of like what. Um, so so I, so I like went through a more careful analysis of each metric by velo, trying to see like cutoffs, anything. I decided to subset the population only include eighty mile an hour plus throwers, yeah. just because I'm 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 very fond of overfitting to that. That's that's what I care about more. Uh, I'm trying to I'm trying to disregard like you know say someone someone who throws under eighty and is also like really you know either really good or really bad at force plate. I mean, like, let's, let's be real, right? If, if I hop on that force plate uh, uh, assessment, I'm blowing the roof off on force plate stuff, but I'm, I'm sinking on velo. So just, just prematurely prematurely avoiding, uh, you know, uh, people like that tainting it. Although, honestly, in, in, in reality, it's probably like high schoolers that throw under 80 and also have like pretty poor force plate metrics. Yeah. So the if, the if anything- probably all, The alternative also exists. The, like, the opposite of that. The like guy who just pumps fuzz on the mound, but like can't even bench one thirty five or do anything on the on the, you know, not saying that's yeah, me, bro. not saying that's me, but yeah, bro, that's in a TLDR. You didn't finish reading. Well, that's I haven't, I haven't read anything. I'm waiting for you to give me the TLDR. All right. Well, uh, yeah. So I, I, so I improved the model a bit, and my, and by improve, I mean the mean absolute error on our test set went down from three point six to two point seven, which means on the people I'm testing, my uh, predicted velo is off on average by 2.7 from what they actually hit, whether above or below. So and pretty good. I, 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 catered, I, I paired it down to about only a couple of metrics because the more metrics you kind of use, especially when it's like a multivariate linear regression like that, you run into collinearity, which means like some of the variables could be explaining some of the other variables. Yep. So it's like that second variable might not actually be exp- like helping you predict anything. It's just like, doing the same thing as one of the other variables using the model. Yeah. So uh, that, that just increases variance and doesn't actually help like reduce, uh, you know, test error. 
So that, real quick in that case, if they're both included in the model. So if you're looking, if you're, if you like include a bunch of variables into a model, like, um, I don't know if this is how it works, but does all of the, do all the relationships add up to one? So like, uh, so like if you were to include two metrics that were co, uh, linear, yeah, that were co-linear, are co -host? they like, what's up? Co-host? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, two metrics that are co-linear. Is there some, like if, is it going to be different or uh, sorry. So would one of the metrics, if the other one wasn't included in the model, would it be, have the same, uh, correlation or the, or the same, like, uh, predictive power? Or if you, like, if you include both of them is what I'm trying to say, is it going to reduce one or the other? Like how much, um, like, would you just overestimate if you included all the metrics just because like this predicts it plus this predicts it plus this predicts it, or does it, yeah. you, 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 uh, assuming you, yeah, you probably mean overfit. Yeah, exactly. kind of like, usually what you do is you have like a, a good way to test it, um, is you have, you can serve like a subset of variables that you're using to predict something. Then you, you take one out and then you predict, and then you compare like predictive ability of those models and you kind of look at the coefficients that are associated with those variables. So if one moves a bunch, you know, above or below, then you're like, okay, this one actually like has its own relationship with the, the independent variable or the dependent variable, sorry. Um, and then you can kind of like see, like if you hold that one variable, especially if you suspect like there's some collinearity going on, you can see like which one does a poorer job of like actually predicting it when you include only that one. Mm -hmm. So that would be like an easy way to test, especially when people, like often people will have, will build a model on multiple variables. Then they'll like, you know, change the subset and then, and then change like, like you can, especially for ANOVA models, this, this happens often. You look at, is the difference in predictive ability significant? Like you can test that. Like did that impact um, predictive ability? Yeah. Uh, but but any, anyways, um, yeah, right now I'm predicting only off the, the peak power from the counter movement jump, the jump height, impulse momentum from the counter momentum jump and the body weight. Yeah. So I have three variables, pretty happy with it. Uh, I mean, not satisfied, but happy that the, the subset of the, what? That's, that's the MPA model, three variables. That's all you need. Uh, yeah, I actually ran, actually ran your data and it actually said, it says 77. Um, but, uh, but that's one of the outliers. That's, that's one of the things I'm going to go into. That's a lie for all the Wait. listeners out there. I don't yeah. have any force plate data. So... <laughs> Um, but anyways, so yeah, so, so it, it's by no means anywhere near perfect. I put a picture of it in, in base camp. It's like, you know, a fairly strong, you know, it's like a decent linear relationship, but there's plenty of people that are either below or above the model, which is what I expect. And I would never assume, or I, I would, I would have been like stunned if I was able to get like something too closely associated off force play metrics. If you but saw I think baseball like, with force play metrics, I would, I'd honestly be pissed. All right. Well, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be solving it'd just be like oh being able to tell if someone's like solve, supposed to be solve pitching velocity. I guess. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so I guess like like my my main goal for it and ambition is you know you build you want to build a decent model and then you look at who's who's either getting overestimated and or, or underestimated and why like can we help those athletes? That's so someone comes in, yeah. they throw on mocap, they go on their force plate, they get those assessments, and then you're like, okay, you should actually like yeah. our our model, which again is not like the truth model but like based off a couple hundred athletes we would guess you're like you know if the model says you're 92 and you're 90 yeah. 
that's that's like not really something that would raise my eye the 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 cutoff i used to identify like like way over predicted or under predicted was the mean absolute error plus the um variance or i think plus like 0.5 times the variance so people that are like much higher or much lower and that includes a few people because a few people are 10 miles uh 10 miles off below or above i think it's the highest I, i have a few people that are like 10 up above or below yeah so those people for whatever reason and like again like some of it, like it could be an off day on one of them, but I took the, I, did, I took the, basically the outliers of people that were predicted that overestimated what the predicted pitch filler was. So they actually threw 82, but say the model said you should throw 90. And I took the underperformers. So uh, people that the model said you should have thrown 82 and actually threw 90. Yeah. Um, so I took both sub, sub, like groups of people, looked at what biometric, biomech metrics like stood out between the two. That's that's um, valuable insight right there. Yeah. 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 And um, yep. and, and I got a few metrics. Uh, like I like I say in my in my in my post, I didn't I wasn't too stringent and you know cutting off, like doing a, adjustments to the p value. I just I kept in everyone that had or every metric that had less than a 0.01 p value when comparing the means. But since people that underperformed, you know, people that the model said you should have thrown lower, but actually threw harder. Yeah. Those like an easy like the one of the first thing that popped up was. Velo, Velo is a big, a big difference. The people that that threw harder than they should have threw, on average, five miles harder than the people that threw, like you know, more than they should have. So I, I also wanted, to, I also want to make sure the differences that were popping up weren't just because of the Velo cap. Yeah. So I then looked at the whole population of biomech, looked at people that threw between eighty-two and eighty-six, and eighty-six and ninety-one, because those groups gave me similar Velo means to the overperformers and underperformers and compared those um compared those differences yeah. to kind of see like what what metrics should have been both comparisons like what metrics were probably in the probably in the comparison between over and underperformers because of the velo gap so then i felt like i could kind of pare down and look at like a few of the metrics that may actually be explaining yeah. some of the variance between why someone under or overperformed yeah that's the, also, that's the huge insight there i think in my mind that was that just got me so fired up to actually uh go and read, read it. a tldr yeah that was uh yeah because i think that's the piece that like a lot of people miss or like the extra set that people need to go because it's like if the model doesn't work or it doesn't fit and it's like oh okay well you could just look at that and be like uh in these instances force plates is a bad or force plate assessment metrics whatever is a bad predictor of velocity but with that knowledge, you, you could go into the data further to find out like why, you know, like where are the yep. instances where someone, cause that would be my first thought with all of that is like, eh, I, I don't really think that like the, the force play, it, it's similar to like the table testing stuff and like the, all the ROM screens and, and functional movement screens. Like, eh, how much carryover is that really going to have into, you know, on the mound in the movement, that kind of a stuff. But knowing like when the model, that like predictive velocity model is, yeah. you know, doing too well and actually going in and, and looking at those like cases where it's like, okay, you know, based on this guy's like force plate metrics, he's 10 miles off his velocity. How is he able to produce that without being able to like, what did you say? Like jump height with that, with like, yeah. this guy can still throw this hard while having a, you know, just like a whack jump height or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's, there's oh, huge or, insight yeah. there. Or, or, or yeah, or or like oh, they clearly have like the power and mm-hmm. like velocity vectors, but like there's something else. Oh, yeah, yeah, 
Yeah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the um, U, the U example of that. Yeah, right. Yeah. Strong. Well, you, probably, you probably don't need force plate assessment data to to pick my low hanging fruit, but yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like that's like a good good example of like yeah. clearly clearly like I can throw harder. I haven't maxed out my body's mm-hmm. uh, possibilities. Yeah, that's also that's also like the only thing that athlete cares about. Like just like overhearing, yeah. you know, from being in so many athlete meetings with like biomaker reports and just like even overhearing them. The last uh, couple of days here, you know, it's just like you're going over the report, you're talking about the metrics, and immediately the first question or like comment that an athlete has is like, okay, so you, so you know, th- no, so they're usually like they want something like tangible and they want a number attached to it just because that's yeah. like what they're sold elsewhere is like, oh, so you think there's like, you know, if I do this, it's like three miles an hour, four miles an hour, five, we know whatever it is. And uh, I think that would be like the yeah. first thing that a lot of people jump to. I mean, dude, when I when I was told that I had a one ten, I, I had a capacity of one ten. I mean, I was I was post second TJ. I was baseball was not my friend. And I was like, all right, I got one ten in the tank. Let's go. It could all just it could also just be another like way of uh, profiling athletes, right? So like, yeah. if we can use the force play data to say like one of the big ones right now is rotational versus linear throwers, right? Like, I don't know how much weight that is actually going to end up in the long run. Uh, having, but maybe it's like, if you underperform on your force plant metrics, then maybe you should just like buy in on this profile. Like you fall into this bucket. So these are the things that we're going to have you focus on versus somebody who uh, overperforms on the force plant metrics. And we have seen that these guys do really well with these types of uh, like mechanics or whatever. These like much better, like athlete typing models and and, and programming questions and answers. is, Is it better for us to attack like, if you don't have a good jump, is it better or a vertical jump? Is it better for us to uh, improve your vertical jump and improve your explosiveness that way? Mm-hmm. Or is it better for us to just like, would it be more effective if we just attack a different type of throwing or like yep. a different uh, subset of mechanics? And yep. understanding those like outliers that kind of like mess up the model and like understanding why, which is like more insights into it, into, you know, they can be like applied to, to later throwers. I mean, there's so so many examples of like guys that I've played with that could just like pump fuel, but couldn't touch a weight in the weight room, you know. And the opposite, right? Like one of my uh, old pitching coaches, like thing is like, you know, do you want to be a do you want to be an all American in the weight room or all American like on the mound kind of a thing? And we had so many instances where it was like, dude could just crush the weight room and, and like not do anything on the on the mound. We, yeah mean, just like all over the place and there's always gonna be variability so like i mean yeah i think i'm glad you guys are pumped on it and like i think if i can hit any either either pushing research on us understanding like better how an athlete profiles when he walks in from like some data gathering uh you know maybe adding value to the high performance assessment whether that's like a report with your prediction spit, spat out some yeah. sort of like right away you know number to take away from the assessment uh and and or just like yeah combining combining everything together like the the high performance assessment will blend into the biomech assessment more and like the, the 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 value will be there as well yeah for sure the the first question that uh i was thinking about is kind of falls into the profiling thing if you you took out the people who threw less than 80 miles an hour like understandably but is it better to take them out and just not um, like consider those because of just because that's not a super high performing velocity um, or 
is there like a possible to just break that down into a new model? Like see if there's a different model that uh, performs really well there. So maybe like a younger population or yeah. um, just like a different, a different population of athletes or trainees could benefit from uh, or should, should respond differently to these force play analyses. Yeah. Good question. Um, I mean, part of the reason I took them out also is because this data set isn't that big. We've only had force plates for a couple months. And when looking at a lot of the, force play metrics plotted against the pitch speed. I, I noticed there was quite a ton of variability under the 80 mile an hour barrier. And I think it's because it like, there'd only be like a few people. And I think those people were not super representative of the population. Or at least like it doesn't seem t- uh, to me like it. And that kind of was a little bit reinforced by actually improving the model error a little bit once I took them out. But it, it, like in theory, if we keep gathering data and have more and more people, I, I, would, I would probably prefer to keep them in. But just like at this time, I was like, I was like, these people are not really helping because they're not like a good representation of the actual athletes you're trying to predict. Yeah. And there's 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 a ton of variability there. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. That the higher variability was something that uh, also is in the biomech uh, database, which yeah. I guess you use for this. So it's probably the same like cohort of uh, like data points that uh, we're talking about. The other one was that. So like generally with predictive models, so this is a little bit more like, um, like just fundamental, like the fundamentals of, of making a predictive model like this, like, is there value to doing a regression, uh, to the mean type type model rather than like absolute values of force play metrics? So for example, instead of saying like my vertical jump is this, I'm going to multiply it by this coefficient and that's going to be this term of the that's going to be summed with the other terms of the predictor rather, rather than like um, what I'm talking about is there value in doing it. Like this is the average vertical jump height. This is where you are. Yeah. So based on this coefficient, like whether you're negative or positive, we're going to give you a mean, this is the mean velocity that we're like that average people have. And then we're going to subtract and add to that based on how you compare to the average in uh in like for in these various different metrics like is that is that would that lead to a more like my thinking is that it could possibly lead to a more stable um or like maybe more conservative uh like prediction so there will be less maybe over estimations uh and underestimations but it also just like maybe too conservative I i just i don't know that's just like one of the things that I had tried uh, doing one of these, a similar model for stolen bases based on things like a lateral uh, bound. Um, Mm. I think vertical may have been on one, but like there were like five metrics that I tried building one and I ended up doing uh, using like a mean and a regression from or to the mean uh, type idea rather than uh, like absolute values. Yeah. Yeah. No, regression to mean is definitely a key thing that people implement on models and like a really valuable thing uh just the war stuff we were talking about before i mean sabermetrics is all about regression i mean everything gets scaled to the league average and then you know is like adjusted and then adjusted by position and adjusted by like you know like so uh on that end there definitely may be there definitely i definitely may play around with uh, adjustments to the mean for myself, I, I would probably guess I would more likely do it for retest, uh, for retest stuff, which which I, I I touched on as well. I don't know if I touched on it today, but I touched on on the first round of analysis 
we don't have that many people yet that have retested in both force plate and biomech values but i i think i already started playing around with like their gains relative you know so it's not like 87 and 89 it's like plus two in velo yep. and how did that correlate with like okay plus 1.3 in jump height yeah so a, a lot of it is um really contingent i would say in general when uh, when uh, building a model and if you're wondering if you should regress it to mean or not definitely look at it visually because a lot of it like a lot of that can tell you as well if like you know if the relationship is like generally there but then like data points are like way off from the like best fit line you know or, or whatever like whatever line you're using then like that might that might like give you a hint that regression to mean can actually help it but like you definitely uh, I, I, like i definitely think in general you should have like an intuition like why are you regressing yeah. to mean like retest is a good example because you want to see like the gains yeah. with like the gains in other field um but yeah people people do use regression to mean and it definitely has value yeah i guess my my initial thought is like uh basing it off of like the individuality and the complexity of the movement kind of a thing. Like with, within pitching, I, and we've talked about this a bunch before, I just see so much more value in like the within subjects analysis because there's yeah. so much variability in the data set with how you actually perform the movement while like doing something like uh regression to mean for like something like a squat or like running, you know, there isn't that much like technique variability. Right. Yeah. So, so I think you could do like more just like general regression to the mean type of stuff. Whereas, and do more like between subjects comparison, person to person, because the technique is going to be very like stable. Uh, I would yeah. think. In pitching, we just like don't see that. We're like not seeing that in our data set. There's like so much variability introduced. So it's really hard to do like between subjects comparisons because like every time it's just like, oh, there's a lot of ways to create velocity. Kind of a thing. So maybe maybe designing it differently would be more helpful if we had a solid profile yeah. uh, system going. So like you fall into this type of profile. Yeah, like if there was like an they athlete need, they need to get your own cluster weight. kind of a yeah. thing, you know, we, yeah. we, we like, identified like, like the top five movement patterns or whatever it is. Yeah, did it like the, the average velo or the average whatever uh, in this group is this. Uh, this is how you compare to the average uh, of these tests. Yeah, and I like then that a lot. Um, see if that like explains why you're above or below the that. Yeah, yeah, that, this other fire. Uh, yeah, I, I'm, think I'm, the, I'm, I think the within subject, like the assessment to retest, like findings that that we might be able to tap into with that from like the force play and the biomech side. I think there's that'd be cool to dig into. I would yeah. definitely read that and to immediately skip over the TLDR straight to the. I mean, it's in the first, it's in the first round of analysis, uh, the, the, the retest stuff. Like I said, the only negative is like, there's only like 14 people, but I actually got, I actually got some really, I actually got some really robust correlations with like, uh, especially with like lead knee angular velo, um, and a bunch of like the force of metrics. That would, yeah. That there, 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 there's, there's some, there's some, yeah, there's some good stuff in there. I'm pretty excited to get some, I don't, I don't know what the plan is as far as the assessments go, but I know Bill mentioned it, um, previously pretty excited to see anything lateral uh like a lateral oh, yeah. bounder or uh like a skater jump and see yeah. how that if that can improve the model and, and that's what dan adams dan adams's study that he that he posted in that thread has to do with like uh like some lateral force plate metrics actually being like the most correlated to pitching velo yeah uh, which makes sense yeah fire all right i gotta go read that i gotta go read that right now post uh yeah post some get get the 
get the avalanche of feedback going. And by avalanche of feedback, I mean either one or three people. So, Damn, dude, you said avalanche <laughs> of feedback, and I immediately just thought about fucking abs, baby. <laughs> oh, dude, dude, when's the season start? I, I forgot. Uh, I don't know. I don't think it's been officially announced yet. I think it's not been just... official. NBA is official. I thought the NBA is. Yeah, official. what you guys got on the NBA? The NBA, NBA, NBA is July thirty first. I think the NBA is official. I don't think the NHL thing is official. Really? It's like pretty similar thing, like 2014 playoff. But if they do do that, the abs are the two in the West, dude. It's big, man. I'm freaking. I think, okay. Before, before we get off track again, though, I think we wrap it there. The Yeah. August 2020. August Let's 2020. go abs. Making it. They're going to they're gonna have everyone back. They're going to have Ranton back, dude. Yo, Yotes, Yo. dude. Uh, if, you, Yo, if you're in Phoenix for too long. <laughs> If you're what? in Phoenix for too long, dude, you might have to. That would actually be fire. I, I will stay in Phoenix if it means I get to watch the Avs play in the playoffs down here. Uh, I'll roll through. God, just talking about this makes it makes me want to like we gotta we gotta pivot into a hockey hockey podcast. I, uh, dude, if, if I miss if baseball, you're in there. I miss baseball, but I miss hockey so much more than baseball. It's, Yo, dude, uh, I mean, the season was just getting. Uh, I mean, yeah, we were like. What, I know, dude. A this, month away or less than from playoffs. Dude, we, were so, less than, we were like two weeks away. It was so exciting, dude. The abs were getting... Ah. On topic with... Uh, oh, shit. Oh, on topic uh, with... Uh, could, could on, on topic with... On, oh, shit. No, no, no. On topic with uh, college schedules, the, the midweek, midweek game, we could have a midweek podcast, which is hockey. Ooh, the midweek hockey, hockey recap podcast. Pretty down. It's going to be a very ab-centric podcast, unless you have uh, some some fandom interests. Um, Lindley, no. It, uh-uh. Then it might just then it might just be like Caravan and I talking back and forth about the last couple of abs yeah. games. I'll just be learning the whole time. Okay. Yo, yo, how chose my stash look from this angle? Pretty, uh, pretty fire. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap the podcast there. Thank you, everyone. Episode seventeen. That's a wrap. Peace. We'll be back next week.